128 seasons of WVU baseball have led to this. Randy Mazie's 11 successful seasons thus far as head coach of the Mountaineers have led to this. J.J. Weatherholt's historic 2023 campaign has led to this. This is the 2024 WVU baseball season, maybe the most anticipated year in program history. You are listening to the Gold Amber Nation podcast, WVU baseball preview edition presented by Elite Roofing and Construction, roof with the best or leak with the rest. Ryan Decker and Kevin Redfern here with you in our Morgantown studios. Kevin, the Mountaineers will begin this year on the road as they always do to start this season with opening day coming up on Friday at Stetson. But before WVU throws its first pitch, let's preview this 2024 season. And it really seems like the excitement level for this year is at an all-time high heading into the season. Yeah, you start the year on the road like you usually do, but in any year, I feel like this year they could have played a home series in Granville at Mon County yeah. Ballpark. The weather's been so good this early spring, late winter. But yeah, excitement at an all-time high. Uh, great news anytime you can break a season ticket sales record before the season starts. Uh, the fans are showing out, or it looks like they're going to be showing out. Come off a great season. You've got arguably the best player in college baseball, and you want to send off your coach uh, in his last year on a high note. So all those pieces kind of lining up together as one, um, setting up for what could be a pretty fun year. You talk about the ticket sales and the people who likely will be kind of occupying the seats there at Mon County Ballpark. I think the excitement level is so high for this team that the team recently had to put out parking kind of guidelines for this year. It's the first time I think they've ever had to put out parking guidelines because at least the expectation is the crowds will be so large so frequently this season that people need to know where to park, how to park, and things of that nature. It's kind of like a football game or a basketball game here in Morgantown. But but look, I mean, I've been around this program for a while now. I just can't really remember a time where the interest was this high in the preseason. And you mentioned a couple of these things of why there's so much excitement, and it happened a lot of last year. 40 wins to tie a program record, a third NCAA tournament appearance in the last six years under Randy Mazie. J.J. Weatherholt, who you mentioned, he turns into an All-American and really one of the best hitters in college baseball. And the 2023 squad also grabbed a share of the Big 12 regular season title, something that had never been done here in this program's history. This 2024 team looks good, and they're young, which leads many to think that the success is sustain is sustainable, I should say, this year and moving forward, even though this is, as you mentioned, the last year with Randy Mazie at the helm. It's been kind of this steady progression, right? And you can kind of point back to the beginning of it in 2019. Uh, but the, the foundation is there. The Whatever plan of attack they have for the transfer portal, it worked last year. And based off what Randy Mazie saying this year, they're confident that's going to work again this year in terms of plugging and playing starters. They've got kind of their philosophy in check, and then going forward, it's going to be very similar with Steve Saban taking over the program and assistant coach, a longtime assistant under Randy Mazie. So, yeah, I mean, it, that's what they're going for, right? They wanted a transition that was going to be sustainable. Uh, they got a young team, a lot of sophomores that had impacts last year as freshmen, a lot of young transfers, a lot of veteran transfers. But all in all, outside of a couple impact players, a lot of guys who could contribute long term too. So as much excitement as there is for this year, there should be for the program down the road as well. And that is, as we've kind of alluded to here, without Randy Mazie moving past this year as the head coach, it will be Steve Sabins after this 2024 season. Mazie has the third most wins, 336 in program history. And we'll bring you some of his thoughts from his preseason press conference earlier this month, later on in the podcast. The interesting thing, Kevin, I think to a lot of us was that the first nine, 10 minutes of that that preseason press conference that he had was you know, talking about 
his journey here, his career as the Mountaineer head coach, and then turning things over to Sabins. And I asked him, asked Randy Mazza, you know, will, will Steve have any added responsibilities this year? And the short answer is no, because Steve has already been doing so much here with this program. So if there was any, I guess, questions about how this transition will kind of start and be kickstarted here in year one of the transition period, Randy's last year, Steve's first year, you know, really kind of starting to take things over, there won't be a lot of changes because he's already been doing so much. Yeah, I mean, if anything, he's going to, now that he knows his future, the only thing you can do is kind of be a fly on a wall, absorb all those things that you don't you know, as an assistant, you're not really noticing how to be a leader of men, how to run a locker room, how to run a travel party, how to recruit, all those things. I mean, I'm sure he's involved with the recruiting heavily. Oh, yeah. But, I, I mean, what a luxury for both guys, right? I mean, very, very little pressure. Um, spotlight's big, but the expectations um, in terms of the university and, and what they're looking for. I mean, it's set in place. There's not a whole lot of speculating going on. Um, so overall, I mean, as smooth as they could have made it. You have a story on our website, goldenbluenation.com, about Maisie's last year and some of the transitioning that's going to be taking place. And we're going to have more stories about that transition, certainly as the year progresses and we get to talk to Steve a little bit throughout the year and things of that nature. But let's look at this team that these two head coaches are going to be in charge of this year. Now, 20 players did leave the program in the offseason, exiting WVU. Carlson Reed, Braden Barry, they were both drafted by Major League Baseball clubs. Other players like Landon Wallace, Tevin Tucker, they signed pro contracts as well. Now, majority of the talent that needed to be replaced on this team was the pitching staff, but West Virginia brings in 23 new players, 14 freshmen, nine players via the transfer portal, and we've mentioned this is a young team. Only four seniors on this roster compared to 14 freshmen and 15 sophomores. A lot of youth, which kind of goes what you were saying. As you're transitioning, the success can be there moving forward through this transition. Of course, this team headlined by All-American J.J. Weatherholt, who is making the transition, speaking of transitions, to shortstop. Weatherholt hit 449 last year, the best average in the country, 16 home runs, 36 steals. Certainly, all eyes will be on J.J. Weatherholt this spring. And how could they not? I mean, stars... Bring, bring the show to the fans. The fans love stars. College baseball isn't a very star-driven sport. Um, so when you got one, he's the face of your program, arguably the face of the conference. Matching a 449 average, though, almost impossible to do. Yeah. I don't know if that's ever been done. Two guy, a guy hitting over 420 two years in a row. But, Little League, maybe. Right, <laughs> right, right. I mean, obviously, everyone's going to have high expectations for J.J. Weatherholt this year, but you almost have to lower him a little bit. Uh, Randy Macy talked a lot about the expectations that you should set. You should be able to uh, exceed, I should say. Um, so J.J. Weatherholt, I mean, I'm thinking if he hits 350, uh, steals 30 bases, 10-plus uh, home runs, People are going to be viewing him in the exact same light as they are right now or as they were at the end of last season. The transition to shortstop is a fun one. I mean, put obviously he's got experience there, but I like the situation. Put your best player at the best position. Um, that should be good for J.J. both as an MLB draft prospect and then for the fans too. I mean, Tevin Tucker obviously flashed the leather quite a bit, but J.J. will be even more so in the spotlight right now. And then as all the eyes are on J.J., scouts, media, broadcasts, I mean, that – that means great things for the rest of the team. Uh, it's less pressure on them with more eyeballs. So uh, overall, I mean, 
this this program's going to get a lot of hype this year, and a lot of people from around the country are going to be able to watch. And speaking about JJ specifically, you know, he's got a unique opportunity here. But when you look at his stats this season, you, you make a good point, kind of relaying the message that Randy Maisie had of the expectations that you set have to be attainable. It, it's really not attainable to go out there and hit 449 again, especially now when you are kind of, as you mentioned, the face of the Big 12 Conference, the best player in this league. Pitchers are just going to be more careful around you. Now, it's going to be hard when you are setting the table or yeah setting the table at the top of the lineup and you're leading off with some talented guys behind you you can only work around JJ so much especially if the bottom part of the order does its job as you further and you and you progress into games but the thing with JJ is I think people don't need to get hung up on his stats this year unless unless things just really plummet don't get hung up on the stats maybe pay more attention to what scouts and what talent evaluators are saying because there will be more national coverage of him throughout the year pay attention to what those folks are saying because that will be the takeaways that i think are more important as this year goes on especially with such a toolsy player and in such a short sample size that is the college baseball season uh, i mean the, the there's not a lot jj weatherhill can do this year to bump him out of being a first round prospect it would take a pretty detrimental year right um so, I mean, at the end of the day, he's going to have, if he has a good season, it, it, there's a possibility that he has a great season. And on paper, like you're saying, it looks like a severe step down. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, the, the stats will be whatever they are. It's going to be a different situation for JJ this year. And I mentioned, you know, a unique opportunity for him. He has the opportunity to go wire to wire as being thought of as a top two pick in this summer's MLB draft. There's obviously a, a lot of pressure that goes with that. But JJ just, you know, being around him all of last year, speaking to him, at the beginning of this season, he just seems like the type of kid who can handle those expectations. You certainly get that sense from Randy Maisie as well, that he has all the faith in the world, that J.J. can uh, handle all those responsibilities, those expectations. And we go back to wondering how much opposing teams are going to pitch to him. J.J.'s already mentioned it. No matter what happens with pitch selection to him, that can help the rest of the team. Of If he gets on base, he can steal bases, then get driven in by the next guy. It, it, however it works out, I think J.J. obviously has the ability and has the opportunity to turn in one of the most successful careers in WV baseball history, that that's what he has in front of him for sure, for sure. And I mean, he's he like you said, he's pretty even keel. He loves the sport of baseball, loves it. You can tell, but he'd probably rather talk about his goldfish than his approach to a fastball. Uh, but in terms of, I mean, pitching around him, I mean, it looks like he's gonna hit a leadoff. Uh, it's tough to walk the leadoff man, but I'd argue, I mean, last year he hit 4.49. You don't see that at the major league level because the pitching is so good. From what we've seen from an eyeball perspective, if you throw the ball in the strike zone. J.J. Weatherholt is going to put a bat on it, and likely he's going to put a barrel on it. I personally don't think college baseball pitchers are that good or have that much command to be able to even dictate themselves pitching around J.J. Weatherholt, or even more so, to get command and to get cute inside the zone. If it's, it's, in, if it's inside that square, J.J. Weatherholt's going to be able to hit it and hit it hard. Uh, it, you can try to get cute with it, but at the end of the day, I mean, people are going to have to end up pitching to him throwing a variety of pitches, and, and he can pretty much hit them all. One last note here on J.J. He was asked last week, you know, if you were standing on the mound facing yourself, would you pitch to you? And he said, absolutely, you got to go attack the hitter. So that should be the mentality that I think pitchers have this year more often than not when facing J.J. But as you mentioned, if it's in the square, 
he's going to barrel it up for sure. But but let's move along from J.J. Weatherhall because obviously we're going to be talking a lot about him this year. Across the diamond, you've got five guys, including J.J., in the infield who started at least 15 games at one of those infield positions last year. All three outfield starters have to be replaced, though, for Randy Mazey this season. And before we get into the pitching, let's talk about you know lineup and defensive construction here. What do we think this team is going to look like this spring, especially once you get going here and you kind of reach conference play and you figure out what this team is? Well, if Randy Mazey had the simple task of simply picking his nine best hitters, plucking them into the lineup, and then worrying about defense some other way, he'd do that. But you only get one DH and you only get nine hitters. And right now they have a plethora of infielders. You just mentioned the returners with extensive infielding experience. Arguably their top four or five impact bats from the transfer portal are all primary infielders. That's Kyle West, that's Reed Chumley, that's a couple other guys I'm forgetting off the top of my head right now. But those guys have experience on the infield, third base, second base. And that that's a group of like, what, eight or nine people? There aren't eight or nine positions on the infield. So someone, whether it be a transfer portal acquisition or a returner, is going to have to learn to play center field. Someone's going to have to learn to play left field or right field. And I think some of that shifting you're going to see a lot early on. Uh, the, the names, the returners you mentioned, the, those guys are likely to be in the starting lineup. I, I'd put my money on them if I could. Gambling's illegal. But um, <laughs> if I could, I, I'd put it in on them being in the starting lineup at some point in the first series. But, yeah, I mean, these guys are all young. They all played a bunch of positions in high school or for their club teams. They've likely been doing it all fall and winter, too, when we don't have the cameras on them. Uh, so it's going to be a lot of experimenting, a lot of back and forth, and that should be something fun to watch early on. Ben Lumsden was another one of those uh, transfer portal guys who played a lot of third base at his previous stops. So that's another guy that Randy Macy's going to have to find a spot for him on the diamond somewhere or a spot for somebody else. But to me, I kind of broke this down into what we know versus what we think maybe. What we know is J.J. is going to uh, hit leadoff play short. Logan Save likely to hit second behind J.J., and Logan Save will be the everyday catcher. Logan's a guy that we'll need to keep in mind. We'll talk about him a little bit later in the podcast, but certainly for fans, that's a name to pay attention to this year based on what Randy Mazie has said in the preseason. Grant Hussey, you know he's going to be at first base, a middle-of-the-order type bat. Sam White, Ellis Garcia, two of those guys who you kind of alluded to as returners from last year. Also figure to be somewhere in the lineup, maybe near the middle, maybe towards the back end of the lineup once things get going. And both those guys played third and some at second in Ellis's case last year. Ellis played there when JJ was hurt. So those are two more infielders that are potentially in the grouping there for Randy Maisie. You get the sense that Maisie feels this lineup has a chance to be really, really good. He kind of said that he thinks he could go 12 deep with this lineup right now. That could change when guys start facing live arms that aren't West Virginia's, but uh, certainly he feels like they've got a chance to be a really, he said, formidable lineup from top to bottom this year. What we think here, (laughs) Randy Mazie said this a bunch. We love the skip. Almost every year he goes into the, into the season saying, we're not going to run as much as we did last year. We're going to hit for more power than we did last year. And you know we'll, we'll be more of, I guess, your standard operating baseball team. I don't buy it. <laughs> yes, We've yeah. all fallen for that too many times. but not buying it this year. I, I took that literally. I, I wasn't familiar with that trend at all. Yeah, I, I'm almost positive he said that <laughs> last year and they still 
a gajillion bases last year. They had, what was it, six guys with double-digit steals last mm-hmm. year. It was over 125. Yeah, total. just ridiculous what they did on the base pass. We love you, Skip, but I don't know if I'm believing you on that one this year. I just don't think I'm doing it. A can't tip of, your hand. Can't you, tip your you, you can't. That's true. It may, look, Maisie's done that in the past. There was a time where uh, he was putting Alec Manoa's name as the DH just to mess with the opposing teams and just keep them thinking who's going to be the DH today. He did that multiple times, and that was always a fun experience when I was in college of just figuring out, okay, who's going to be the DH today? We've alluded to this as well, but the outfield, I think it's going to be a revolving door for at least the first part of this season. There's so many guys that are candidates, at least it sounds like, to potentially play there, whether they're returners or newcomers. I think Randy Maisie's going to be feeling this out as to who both young guys from the recruiting class in terms of freshmen, Armani Guzman's a guy who might get some run here in the early part of the season. Uh, he might have a chance to be an everyday guy, but then you've got other guys that, we, like we've mentioned, uh, Ben Lumsden, who, who transferred in, Reed Chumley, and then Kyle West as well, who put up ridiculous numbers at the D2 level. All those guys are primary infielders at the previous stops. Do they transition to outfielders here at West Virginia? So in a nutshell, that's what West Virginia can look like this year. Of course, this can change as the year goes along. That's one thing that Randy Maisie has been pretty consistent about of what the lineup looks like on game one is not what it's going to look like game 53 Mm -hmm. for sure. We're going to see some changes throughout this year and as the year goes along, but we haven't even gotten to the pitching yet. We're, we're, you know, 17, 18 minutes into this thing. We've not gotten to the pitching staff yet. We'll get there. Don't worry about that. We're going to take a quick break first. And when we come back, you'll hear from the preseason All-American and Big 12 Player of the Year, J.J. Weatherholt. This is the Golden Blue Nation WVU Baseball Season Preview Podcast brought to you by Elite Roofing and Construction. Roof with the best or leak with the rest. Elite Roofing and Construction is West Virginia's and the region's top reliable roofing professionals. Elite Roofing LLC specializes in residential and commercial roofing services and is dedicated to providing customer service that is second to none. Whether you have a new construction project or need to replace an old or damaged roof, Elite Roofing offers roofing repair and replacement services with free estimates. We also work with a variety of roofing types, including metal, shingle, tile, and rubber roofing. All of our work is completed by trained and certified roofing specialists. We never use subcontractors to complete any of our work. We work with insurance and financing is available. Elite Roofing and Construction, roof with the best or leak with the rest. Ryan Decker and Kevin Redfern here with you on this latest edition of the Golden Blue Nation podcast. Big 12 Baseball Preseason Player of the Year, J.J. Weatherholt, met with the media last week ahead of the start of this 2024 season. Let's listen in to some of what he had to say. The offseason definitely looked a little bit different, just kind of trying to focus on ways to honestly drown out some of the hype, noise, whatever you want to call it. Um, So that was a little bit different. And then obviously just trying to come back healthy from the hamstring injury that I had in the summer. So that was a lot of rehab and stuff like that. And then honestly, just trying to find some ways to improve uh, physically, uh, mentally, working, got like a sleep studies, trying to get the sleep figured out, just trying to find ways to get better. Uh, The season, I don't think it's honestly too different besides the fact that for me, it's Coach Mays' last year. So I know the guys really want to give him a good send off. You know, we know it's a, it's an important year. We have the squad to do some something cool. So we've been working really hard to, to do that. Obviously, like the stats area could be hard to improve on, but there's other areas that you can get better. And so for me, it's obviously, like I said, physically, mentally, just finding ways to get better. So trying to stay healthier in all aspects, working on a little bit 
better mechanics, um, things like that. Just stuff that makes me feel like I am a better player. Um, and you never know, maybe the results don't replicate exactly how it went last year. But to me, like I feel like I got better throughout the summer and the fall. So I'm, I'm definitely excited. For me, it'll be a cool cool learning standpoint. I think it's a big thing is if teams are kind of hesitant to, to give me stuff to hit, I just got to be patient and take the walks. And I mean, obviously, yeah, I'm up there to do damage and hit. And that's growth for me as a hitter to be able to be more patient and take a walk because uh, that's going to help the team at the end of the day. And if they're not throwing me strikes and they're walking me, I'll get on base. They're going to have to throw the next guy's strikes. And I think we have the lineup to do some serious damage if it turns into that. That was J.J. Weatherholt speaking earlier this month at Mon County Ballpark. You can watch his preseason media availability in its entirety at GoldenBlueNation.com. You can also watch all of Randy Mazie's preseason media availability there. And we also have multiple stories about J.J. and the Mountaineers, those parking regulations that we mentioned earlier, and all these different things surrounding the Mountaineers to get you ready for the start of the season there at GoldenBlueNation.com as well. Now, obviously, J.J. will be WVU starting shortstop this year. He's the main infielder behind what feels like a brand new pitching staff for West Virginia in 2024. Kevin, a lot of young arms for Randy Mazie to choose from, though he makes it seem like it will be some of the new guys who are in line to at least be those weekend starters at the beginning of the season. I feel like he's saying without saying that at least to start the year that they're going to go Friday, Saturday, Sunday uh, with transfer portal guys. Right now, the three guys that he named, so if we were to guess, Hayden Cooper, the SIU Edwardsville transfer, Derek Clark, the Northwood University transfer, and another guy he just can't stop talking about, Tyler Switalski, the transfer from Gardner-Webb. I think he's a Waynesburg PA guy, Mm -hmm. somewhat local, uh, a big lefty for the rotation, strike thrower, uh, had some all-conference accolades at Gardner-Webb, and supposedly had a really nice fall. Uh, those three guys uh, look have a lot of starting experience. They have collegiate starting experience, more so than really any uh, – one who started games last year for WVU who is returning this year. But it looks to be if there is one of those returners to sneak back into the weekend rotation or maybe be the Tuesday, Wednesday guy, it's going to be Aiden Major. Um, High strikeout numbers last year. It's like you saw glimpses of how good he can be and then other times kind of it didn't look as good. Uh, So those are the four starters we have right now or we're looking at right now. As for the closer, I, well, they're going to be rocking with David Hageman, which another righty out of the pen, power righty, kind of Carlson Reed-esque. Um, so if it ain't broke, kind of roll with that. A lot of unknowns, though, overall. You don't know how some of those transfers are going to transfer into the high D1 level. Um, and then, of course, those freshmen from last year, those 6'4-plus basketball lineup. Yep. Uh, also, like Aiden Major, showing a lot of streaks but uh, no one really solidified themselves into that rotation. So I'd say between, what, six, seven, eight guys fighting for four spots, going to be a lot of guys getting a lot of starts early on. And like Maisie said last week, maybe not a 10-game starter but a, or a 10-win starter, but a couple of five-win starters. That was a really interesting note he said there that you know certainly that shows you that he has belief in a lot of different pitchers to go out and get him wins this season. So, And when you think about... You know, at face value, having three transfers in your weekend rotation as starting pitchers, it sounds shocking, but really you think back to last year, Blaine Traxel and Grant Siegel started the year as two of the three weekend starters for West Virginia, held down those spots in Blaine Traxel's case for the entire season as a transfer guy who came into the program for one year. So it's not out of the ordinary for West Virginia and really for teams across the country now to kind of be rocking with three new guys new to the program there on the weekends. You mentioned David Hageman. He's going to be the closer this year, at least for WV on opening day. Another year, another new name on the back end of that pen. Maybe maybe this is the chance for 
Randy Maisie slash Steve Sabins next year to have a consistent multi-year closer in David Hagem, and hopefully he can hold that down. Aiden Major's case is really interesting and in where he falls on this team. He's had chances both his freshman year and his sophomore year to hold down a starting job in the in the starting rotation and he just hasn't been able to hold it down for long term it's going to be really interesting to see if he can become a primary midweek guy for west virginia because the mountaineers have lacked that in the past just a primary you know every tuesday or wednesday it's going to be insert name here getting the ball to start the start the game that would be a nice role for aiden i think or does he transition if one of those transfers falters into a weekend rotation guy? Just just a couple things that are in the mix there for the Mountaineers. And then you, you kind of alluded to some of those younger guys, those second-year guys, Max Yale, Gavin Van Campen, Carson Estridge, Robbie Porco, that basketball team. Th- there's depth in this pitching staff that I don't think West Virginia has had in a while in terms of there's some youthful experience, there's youth to keep building on, but also a lot of raw stuff. And we haven't even gotten to some of the first-year pitchers like Chase Meyer, Andrew Calloway, who can help build the rotation and the depth in this pitching staff as well. Yeah, when it comes down to both those sophomores and the true freshmen, I think it's going to come down to two things. One, who can throw strikes? Because out of all those guys, those sophomores, they're all, they got good stuff and they can throw hard too. With Meyer, that's exactly the case. Probably one of the hardest throwers on the team. So who's going to be able to consistently find the zone? And then who's going to be able to get stretched out early? If you're able early in the season in February and March, if you get a start or you get a long relief appearance, if you can turn that into three, four innings, maybe even five innings and continue to get stretched out over the first couple of months, those are the guys who are going to end up starting games in the middle back half of the year. So it kind of takes a little bit of momentum at the beginning of the year, succeeding in smaller sample sizes when you do get them. Uh, the odds of all of them panning out and turning into a potential plug-and-play starter or a number one guy out of the pen is unlikely. But uh, if you can get one of Yale, Van Kempen, Estridge, Porco to be a, a quality guy, a guy who you can throw in to start when you need to, and then the rest of them, you know, valuable, can count on them out of the bullpen guys, uh, That that's a win. I mean, if, if you get what you're expecting out of your transfers, you can continue to, to develop this depth at the back of the rotation. We mentioned at the start of this podcast that there are just four seniors or, and one really graduate student is one of them uh, on this WVU baseball roster this year. Three of the four seniors are in the pitching rotation or on the pitching staff. Derek Clark, a guy from Northwood University, Hayden Cooper, a right-hander from SIU Edwardsville, and then Hamilton Oliver, a guy from Baylor who you know, transitions into the Big 12 or stays in the Big 12 but transitions to a new club. So while there is a lot of youth on this pitching staff, there's a little bit of experience there in terms of just guys who've thrown innings and have thrown in the college game that can also help these younger guys transition into being more reliable players, which we saw that last year again with Blaine Traxel, Grant Siegel, some of these other guys who brought in. That part of the transfer portal can be invaluable to teams. Absolutely. I mean, if, if you can get an experienced guy who can come in and be a culture guy just based off what he's experienced and then give you five innings and four or less earned run or four or fewer earned runs every week, those guys are invaluable. And, and they would consider, Randy Maisie and the fans would consider them Mountaineers for life if they're that valuable for just one year. West Virginia finished second in the Big 12 in Team ERA, third in opponent batting average, and issued the second fewest walks last year en route to a 40-win season. You know, results like that is how you win the Big 12 
again this year. You know, certainly it's going to be an interesting kind of development throughout this season of whether this pitching staff can have a repeat performance. We talk about J.J. Weatherholt. Can he have, he have a repeat performance? Can this staff as a whole repeat the success that it had for a majority of last year, really until the very end of the season when things just kind of fell apart there towards the end and uh, things just kind of got away from West Virginia a little bit? This was really one of the better pitching staffs in the Big 12. If you can have a repeat of that, West Virginia can be right there in line to, to win this uh, conference again. So, of course, Randy Maisie, he's in charge of that pitching staff, as he has been for basically ever since he got to WVU. He gave his thoughts on his staff and the development of some of those second-year players we have mentioned and kind of alluded to, both on the mound and at the plate. Let's listen in to Randy Maisie. I say the transfer portal's been good to us. There's a chance that our weekend rotation could all be transfer portal guys. We feel that good about some of the pitching that we brought in here. We'll see how they do, but they're pretty talented. I, one of our position players, I heard him say the other day that he feels like our pitching this year is better than it was last year, and he's the one standing in the box. I'm just watching from the dugout. You know, I don't know that we have a 10-game winner, but we might have 10 five-game winners. 10 times 5 is 50. I'll take that. Uh, you win 50, you've had a pretty good year. So we, we have guys that are very capable. Uh, Sam White, uh, Ellis Garcia, uh, do they have – any chance of, you know, kind of making that freshman to sophomore jump offensively? or No doubt. Those guys are all very, very capable. They're all going to be middle of the lineup type guys, and they're all capable of having not J.J. type years. Nobody has J.J. type years, but those guys continue to progress. Then this could be a pretty formidable lineup. Those freshmen last year, uh, Estridge, Hageman, uh, Porco, uh, Maxiel, their progression as a group from last year to this year? They all were good for us last year. None of them were great. They were all good. Guys that look like that and throw like that, you want them to be great. Great stuff, it doesn't mean you're a great pitcher. You have to learn how to become a great pitcher. So to say that that's happened yet and one of those guys can win 10 games, not ready to do that yet. But ask Coach Sabins that question next year at this time, and hopefully he'll say, yeah, they're they're ready to be great because it's coming. Despite the ill-fated efforts of President Biden and his wealthy New York friends, West Virginia coal is thriving and being shipped to 45 countries worldwide. Given its high quality and clean burning properties, countries across the globe are demanding and consuming it. And in-state production continues to grow with billions of dollars of recent investment in West Virginia mining operations. Combined with the reliability of our coal-fired electric manufacturing facilities, West Virginia coal is here to stay. No other fuel in the world matches West Virginia coal for base load generation and steel making. Like a good friend, it's always been and always will be there, keeping the lights on and contributing greatly to our growing economy. In fact, coal continues to sustain 50,000 plus West Virginia jobs, putting food on the table for Mountain State families. Visit friendsofcoal.org to learn more. A message from the Friends of Coal. Wrapping up here on the Gold and Blue Nation podcast brought to you by Elite Roofing and Construction. Roof with the best or leak with the rest. As we kind of wrap up here, let's get to the predictions part of this podcast. We do this every year before the start of the baseball season. We 
blatantly missed J.J. Weatherholt his freshman year, just didn't even mention him, and that's on me. That's one that, <laughs> that I think that was the first line of uh, Sam's 2023 baseball preview was that we didn't mention J.J. Weatherholt the previous season in 2022. Well, you did get to slip in Armani Guzman just at, at just one point. Case. Yeah, yes, so just... when that when that happens, maybe not this year, but in a year or two, we'll right. have the receipts. Yeah, uh, you know, last year especially, there were so many names we ran through just because we didn't want to forget that season's J.J. Weatherholt, so... Uh, what maybe like we just insert all the freshmen in in post production just just so we can say we said their name at some point. <laughs> but uh, let's get to the predictions here a little bit. We have a couple different topics: team MVP, key arm on the mound, top newcomer, and where WVU will finish in the Big Twelve. And if there's any other predictions Kevin wants to throw out there, we'll we'll just do it on the fly. But let's start here: team MVP. And we do have a caveat here: you can't pick JJ Weatherholt because we would have been fighting to the death to who picks JJ Weatherholt. So. Kevin, your non-J.J. Weatherholt team MVP for West Virginia in 2024 is? Going to go with Grant Hussey. The bus. The Huss bus. Uh, we talk a lot about his slugging power, his ability to hit the long ball, but I think one thing that goes underappreciated under is his glove and his consistency at first base. And that's something, I mean, last year he was a 250 hitter. He launched 14 homers. But to keep a 250 hitter in the lineup at the college level, you'd hope – that they'd be above average or at least serviceable on defense. Grant Hussey is more than that. He, he's a great defensive first baseman. Uh, two years ago, he hit 244. Last year, bumped up to 254 in uh, at-bat sample size. That he only took five more at-bats last year than he did two years ago. 14 home runs up from 11, 12 doubles up from 10, 46 hits up from 43. Seeing a steady increase, and now here as a junior, kind of the perfect time, 20, 21 years old, to really get in the groove, your third year of college baseball, I'm expecting a big leap from him. I think he's going to be in the lineup a lot. He's going to be a starter, you know, 45, 50 games if he can. And you're going to see a lot of home runs on this team. I'm going to predict that Grant Hussey leads the team in home runs this year. I'm going to say that he eclipses the 15 homer mark. He finally hits it. And I think the strikeout numbers are going to go down. He had 72 last year. I know it's a massive point of emphasis. He still hasn't hit the 400 on base percentage mark. I think he does hit that this year. And we see a big, big leap in some long home runs from Grant Hussey. My team MVP, not named J.J. Weatherholt, is Logan Save, a sophomore who, when we asked Randy Mazie, who can be the guy to have a J.J.-like boom in his sophomore year from one year to the next, and immediately Logan Save was the answer. A guy who, you look at his raw numbers last year, 267 average, uh, hit four home runs, nine doubles, so 13 extra base hits there, drove in 24 runs. Didn't have the greatest offensive production last year in his true freshman season, but he was splitting time at times behind the plate, one of the most... Uh, demanding positions on the field, especially when it comes to splitting time between what you do defensively and offensively. J.J. Weatherholt also said that things just sound different and look different with Logan Sauvé this offseason. And last fall and then coming into the spring, the ball just seems to be jumping off his bat a little bit harder. People around the team are, are taking notice of it as well, not just J.J. Weatherholt. So when you've got Folks around the team and on the team who were saying that 
Logan looks different. Everything sounds different, kind of in a similar way to way to where JJ looked and sounded different last year heading into his monster sophomore campaign. I'll take their word on that one. So I, I'm gonna go Logan Save to have a big season this year. And again, he might not have JJ's production, but if he can hit above 300, be a guy to build up a little bit more power, get to eight plus home runs this year, drive in more runs, be a really good number two or three hitter in this lineup, that can really bode well for. West Virginia this year. Let's transition to the mound now. Give me your key arm on the mound for WVU. I advocated for him earlier, so I'll stick with him here now. I'm going to go with Tyler Switalski, the left-hander, uh, Gardner-Webb transfer. So getting into him a little bit more, he's 6'4", 235, uh, two-time pitcher of the week in the Big South, and he was also a second-team All-Big South guy. Pitcher of the week, that basically means in college baseball that you had the best start in your conference that week most of the time unless they give it to a reliever so to have that twice when you're thinking if each team plays three four games a week and there's 12 teams in the conference you're going up against 40 50 other pitchers yeah. every week um so I, I don't take for those player of the week those pitcher of the week ones i think those mean a lot than maybe more to the naked eye and you just you just hear good things about him from both Randy Maisie. Uh, it sounds like the players are a big fan as well. I think he throws strikes, and that's basically what you need at the college level need from a starter. Um, yeah, my, my guess is that he's going to be a mainstay here in the lineup, and I'll predict him being the Friday guy and, and carrying the load this season. So you're going Switalski, a transfer to this team. I'm going to stick with a guy who has been on this team the last two years, and I think this will be the year that you really see the potential out of him, and that's Aiden Major. Now in his junior season, he had a career-best four wins last year at 4-2 and two on the mound, 48 innings pitched, uh, close to doubling up his, his freshman numbers there in terms of innings pitched. His ERA did go up about a run and a half, though, last year. That's something he's going to have to work on this season. But you look at Aiden Major and some of the things he's been able to do in his short career here at West Virginia. I believe it was his first start back in 2022 against Pitt in the backyard brawl. He's a PA kid. Just goes lights out for West Virginia in that. Last year had two different games, once against Oklahoma State in an emergency appearance, and then against Ball State in the NCAA tournament where he has eight strikeouts in a game. Uh, We've seen these little glimpses of what Aiden Major can be, and if you look at some of the best pictures here in recent memory for West Virginia, it's that third year that you really start to see those guys take off. Uh, Randy Mazie mentioned it, you know, Alec Manoa, Nick Snyder, Michael Grove took off later in his career as well. Some of these other guys, they took off after they've been in the program two years. The time is now for, for Aiden Major, I think, to kind of take that next step. So I, I think Aiden Major is going to be the key arm because if those transfers, like a Switalski, like some of these other guys we mentioned, don't exactly pan out, Aiden Major can be the guy there to kind of stabilize things in the pitching staff for West Virginia. All right, top newcomer of the team. So Swatalski is out of the running for you since you picked him as your top arm. Uh, Give me your top newcomer for West Virginia. Going to go with Reed Chumley, wearing lucky number 13, listed as an infielder for uh, this year's team. This is going to be his fourth school in five years, um, but ended up playing the last two years at Houston Christian. That's a D1 school, if you didn't know. But last year, he hit 392 with 11 homers. So that's almost hitting 400 with 10 plus homers at the D1 level. If we're not, if we don't witness JJ Weatherholt's year last year, that probably looks a lot better on paper than to West Virginia fans than some might think. Uh, but a righty righty, uh, bat and glove, uh, Texas guy through and through. Um, it's gotten a lot of kudos 
uh, from both teammates and coaches. Sounds like he'll be in that starting lineup. Um, has just, I mean, at every stop he's had, he's excelled. So, and then when you play two years of D1, that'll help boost you up into the high D1 level. Um, just seems like a guy who's going to continue that trend of playing well. So you're going uh, Chumley. Not not to be confused with the guy from Pawn Stars, right. as we have yes. joked about today in the yes. office. Uh, I, I'm going to go Kyle West. He's a West Virginia guy. Uh, hometown is Hedgesville, West Virginia, over in the Eastern Panhandle. Played two seasons at the University of Charleston down in the southern part of the state. Hit 374 with 30 home runs and 102 RBIs. Also stole 45 bases in 100 games with UC. But th- this is a guy who... You talk about uh, Chumley translating, and once you continue to go up the levels of competition, the the expectations are once Kyle West fully transitions his bat, gets adjusted to the speed of the the high D one level of competition, that the numbers can be pretty similar to what he put up at the Division two level. I, I know West Virginia is very high on him. He, he's a guy that can do, as those numbers indicate, a lot of different things. He can kind of be not a JJ Weatherholt like, but he can be a multi tool player when it comes to hit for a high average, hit with some power, and then can also steal you some bases. A lot of that production came last year in an All-American honorable mention type season. So that, I think, is the newcomer uh, kind of newcomer of the year for West Virginia this year is Kyle West, a guy that I think once we get going into the season is going to be a staple in the lineup. And, and I w- want to put this on the record that had Ryan not taken him in this pre-production, I would have also taken Kyle West as the guy, uh, simply because of two things Randy Mazie said. Mm-hmm. He hits the bar, or he can hit the ball harder than anyone else on the team. He can hit the ball farther than anyone else on the team. And and also, I mean, he's he's a West Virginia guy. I mean, right. it feels like this is going to work out for him. Uh, he's played a lot of good baseball. Sounds like he could maybe be a good DH for this team. And, and then lastly, Maisie said that he could be a 20-homer guy. So anytime your head coach goes out to say something like that, even if you say he could be, you don't say that without thinking that he's got a good chance to do that if he's in the lineup, you know, every day. Yeah. Um, sounds like he's going to have a big impact. So – this is all leading up to the big question of where is West Virginia going to finish in the Big 12 this year? And I guess, too, just what kind of season in general does this team have? Is this a team that can get back to the NCAA tournament, maybe go farther than it has ever before? So, Kevin, you can start us off there. So we've talked about a couple of critical points here, uh, big like hypotheticals, what West Virginia needs to do to have well, let's say as good of a season as last year. Co-Big 12 regular season champs, that's a pretty good benchmark, right? I think a point you made resonated with me, and that's that the pitching has to be pretty much as good as it was last year. It was good. It can get better. They want it to get better. But if you have J.J. Weatherholt playing at the All-Big 12 caliber, if your pitching staff you know, is as good as it was last year, and then you're able to fill your holes in the outfield, I think that's as simple of a route as it is to get co-Big 12 champs. I don't think it's going to happen, though. I am going to put WVU just outside of the top two. I'm going to put them at number three on the season. I think that there's still some juggernauts in this conference. TCU, I think Oklahoma State's even still getting a little undervalued. We've talked about that a little bit. West Virginia really creeped up to the top of the conference last year by winning every series, two of three sweeps. My guess is they find they face a few more hiccups towards the beginning of the year this year than they did last year, and it's going to put them kind of on that outside of the top three most of the season. And I'm going to guess that once everything kind of meshes together at the end, they'll make a nice little push, be in the top four seeds heading into the tournament, but miss out on a regular season title. 
it's going to be a very interesting season. I'm trying to look through the schedule now. Some of the most potent teams that West Virginia will play this year, most notably Oklahoma State and Kansas State. They have to come to Morgantown. Now, on the flip side of that, West Virginia will have to go to Texas Tech to TCU. Uh, Texas not on the schedule this year, uh, which could be helpful for West Virginia, depending on what, what happens with the Longhorns this year. I agree with you. I think a third place finish is about right in this league. And the, the one thing that kind of worries me about the Big 12 is that, A, you've got a couple of newcomers coming and you don't know what those teams are going to be like as they adjust to the Big 12. But some of these premier programs like in Oklahoma State are, as you said, being undervalued. Kansas State, you wonder, are they being overvalued with, with one, if not two, All-Americans on their roster? Or is this a year that they can really make a West Virginia-like run that, that WVU made last year? A couple of these other teams, you just wonder exactly what kind of season they're going to have Oklahoma kind of laying in the weeds there as well. So I, I think West Virginia finishes third. I think they get very close to matching that 40-win number. I certainly think this is a NCAA tournament team. though. I, I think there's... Really, I, I don't have any question that this team is back in the postseason again. I'm, I'm definitely there, right there with you. It's hard when you've got the best player in baseball, you've got the reigning Big 12 coach of the year. I mean, that should be a big enough enough a big enough foundation for you to build off, and it looks like roster-wise they've patched some holes. I, I do have one more, though. Okay. Predictions. And you, you put this thought into my mind earlier. Okay. And this would be a top five mark in program history, I believe. Does this team steal 100 bases this year? I'm going to go yes. I just don't believe that they're going to take a step back. Uh, I know... I know 100 bases is a lot. You got to think JJ steals about 30 again, provided he gets on base. And and Randy Mays is going to find speed somewhere. It might not be Ellis Garcia and Sam White, as he <laughs> right. kind of jokingly right. said. Right. He always points and, out those two. Yeah. I mean, you've got you know 10, 12 other guys who are going to be right. in and out of the lineup. Yeah. I I think he's going to find it. <laughs> it's going to be very close. But yeah, I'll say yes. G- give me give me a hundo. In, in real talk, though, I mean, these when it comes down to predictions, wins, how is JJ going to hold up? I mean. None of this is even relevant if the team doesn't stay healthy. I mean, right. that's gonna, that's a luxury they had all last year, even when J.J. missed some extended time, and he was able to come back nicely. But what the fans want to see this year and what's going to – obviously what's going to make the most of this team is if they can stay healthy. You keep your arms – so you solidify who your starting arms are and you keep them healthy, you keep J.J. healthy. That Those are priorities this year. Well, this season is fast approaching, of course, opening day, February 16th on the road at Stetson. It's a four-game series to begin things for WVU. The home opener also fast approaching Wednesday, February 28th against Canisius at 3 p.m. at Wagner Field at Monongalia County Ballpark. That will be everybody's first opportunity to see the new turf, which we really didn't talk about here in this podcast. New turf this season at Wagner Field. That'll be your first opportunity to see that in person. Big 12 home opener and the Big 12 opener in general, Thursday, March 7th against BYU. That's a 3 p.m. first pitch as well. Three national TV games this year for WVU. March 22nd on the road at Oklahoma. That's on FS1 April 30th against Pitt at PNC Park. That's uh, ESPNU, I believe. And then also another uh, ESPN-carried game against Penn State on May 8th. Eighth, So three national TV games for West Virginia. Of course, a lot of these games will be on Big 12 now on ESPN+. Plus. So everyone will be able to see the, the Mountaineers play a majority of the season, certainly once things get underway here. Well, Kevin, opening day is 
It's baseball here. season. It, it, it is here. February. Yeah. It, it screams baseball. Yep. Major League Baseball players are at spring training camp, and college baseball players are going to begin their season here in just a couple of days. Or depending on when you listen to this, it will already have begun. That's going to do it for us here. Kevin Redfern, Ryan Decker, you've been listening to the Golden Blue Nation podcast, WV Baseball Preview Edition, brought to you by Elite Roofing and Construction. Roof with the best or leak with the rest. We'll see you later.